Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Unfinished, yet growing and changing and becoming more and more unique and beautiful and for them more expensive. But we're like that. We are unfinished. We're works in progress. We're moving from faith to faith and glory to glory. And listen, that's okay. Actually, that should give us some relief because we don't have to strive for perfection. We can simply embrace progression. We are unfinished. Say unfinished. Sealed while being healed, saved while being changed, justified while being sanctified. But I realize unfinished can be frustrating. When I think I've arrived at a particular place of freedom and growth, I soon realize there's work to be done. I thought that marriage would fix my problems. I thought that just getting saved, right, would eliminate my selfishness. I thought that having kids would cure my complaining. LOL. No. Those moments, those seasons only revealed what needed to be repaired. Marriage, having children, meeting Jesus are the great revealers of the things that need to be healed. But we can be really good, I found out, at self-denial when it comes to the things that we know need to be repaired. Need to be fixed. One author says this, human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished. Do you know that subconsciously we think we're finished? Now, we wouldn't say that out loud, but we believe it subconsciously. Again, we believe that we are unfinished. And when we believe that, we think we have nothing left to learn or that we're right all the time. It's my way or the highway. We, when, we, when we live that way, we stifle our growth and frustrate people. So when I gave my heart to Jesus, I found out this, that heaven met earth, perfection met imperfection, God met Dan. And when you put two things together that are completely opposite, sinful nature and perfect Savior, they don't always mix well at first. I got to be honest, it gets frustrating sometimes living with a perfect God inside of me. I got a lot to measure up to. He never makes a mistake. He is always perfect. Right? Right? I'm never perfect. We are the odd couple. And if that isn't enough, I've got sweet Emily to live with. She's not here right now. She got in late last night, but she'll be here second service. To me, she's a saint. So you can see how I might get discouraged pretty quick. I could get down on myself on a daily basis. Thank God they're both forgiving. But, but this can be frustrating. Anybody here this morning who was to move forward? Paul says it this way. Because he felt the same way I just did right there. Paul said, Romans 7, 18 through 25, he says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle in life, he says, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, 
what a miserable person I am. And then he says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And here's the answer. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then he goes on to say, so you can see how it is. My mind, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. He's unfinished. Truth is, unfinished can be frustrating. Even the great apostle Paul knew that. See, our body, our soul, our inner person is a work in progress. And the Bible compels us, here we go, to work through this stuff. Work through our issues. Paul said it this way in Philippians 2.12. He said, my dear friends, you've always obeyed. Not only when I was with you, but even more now that I'm, I'm absent. He goes, in the same way, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You ever heard that one? Well, thank God he's not talking about our eternal salvation. Amen, right? This is finished, signed, sealed, and delivered, signed by his own blood, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and delivered in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It is finished. Thank you, Jesus. Here, Paul is talking about our earthly salvation. <laughs> He's saying, work out your healing. Work out your deliverance. Work through that fear thing, that holding a grudge thing, that thinking you're better than everything, everyone else thing. Take care of your soul. Take care of your mental health. Take care of the inside of you. Work it out. Work it out. Because we tend to repeat what we don't repair. You ever seen that? Have you seen it in, in your own life or people's lives? Like, man, they, we're going around the mountain again. We're going through the same thing again. We tend to repeat what we don't repair or we, we don't let God repair. Honestly, it wasn't until after I started following Jesus that I really knew I needed some help. <laughs> I realized there's a lot of work to get done because I got some issues. So as we live on this earth, God has some unfinished business to attend to. So this series is all about making spiritual progress, and it's about fortifying and creating defensive works against the attacks of the enemy. And what we will learn, we can apply not only personally, but relationally in our family and in our community. So let's embrace unfinished. Say unfinished. Progression, not perfection. <laughs> Because I can't stop the sagging. I can't stop the wrinkles. I can't stop the groaning sounds when I get up and when I sit down. <laughs> what am I doing? I can't stop that. Listen, but what I can do is get stronger and younger and wiser and more tender spiritually. So we'll be taking a journey through the book of Nehemiah. It's a story of one man embracing unfinished in order to bring healing to an entire nation. It's a story of one person's passionate response to a seemingly hopeless situation. So he was a cupbearer for a foreign king, meaning he tasted the wine for the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned. So every day could be his last day. This position alone says a lot about Nehemiah. He was willing to lay his life down for the sake of others. And on one particular day, he gets some bad news. 
The city he so dearly loves is in ruins. Its walls and gates are in shambles. The people are unprotected and vulnerable to the enemy. But although bad news, it would be the most powerful turning point of his life. Let's read Nehemiah 1. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah. I want to say Hakalugi, but Hekeliah. In late autumn, the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who'd returned from, uh, there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, not good. Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. Verse 4, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Say prayer. Look down and see me praying. Say praying. Night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we've sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, degrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, and even if you're exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I've chosen for my name to be honored. Verse 10, the people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Say prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. It's kind of an odd way to end a chapter. I was the king's cupbearer. Why would he say that? I think he was saying, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no uh, on the fence here. I'm locked in. He said, I'm locked in. See, every time, Nehemiah, every time the king saw Nehemiah, he saw loyalty. He saw love. He saw someone who was laying down his life for the king on a daily basis. This should stir us for a moment. This should challenge us. This should make us wonder about our own love and loyalty for the king of kings. Am I locked in? Are you locked in? Because how we live on this earth for this short time matters for eternity. Let me say it again. How we live on this earth for this very short time matters for eternity. Now let me give you a little historical context for a moment before we move on. 20 years after King Solomon built the first temple, the most beautiful church ever built for God, there was a church split. Go figure. Israel's 12 tribes split into two kingdoms. They couldn't get along. And because of this fighting, they fell into the hands of their enemy. And subsequently, the city, the temple, and the wall were destroyed. The people made a grave mistake and were scattered and captured by an oppressive 
enemy. But listen, there's never any hopelessness with God. You'll never hear God say, I can't. Someone can say amen to that. You'll never hear God say, I can't. Matter of fact, I don't even know if he wants us to say that. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Every time I want to do something for God, every time I hear God saying, I want you to do this, I hear the devil say, you can't, you won't, you'll fail. God never says that. So eventually, the people would cry out to God, and he would rescue them once again. God worked powerfully through a strong woman named Esther to make this happen. Another great book of the Bible to read. So they are freed. They migrate back to the city only to find it in ruins. That's where Nehemiah comes in. So if the walls are down, the temple could not be rebuilt. The church can be rebuilt. Now, what does the wall symbolize? A wall symbolizes strength and protection. In those days, it was the only real means of defense. It was critical for preventing thieves and bandits to freely come in and corrupt, steal, and destroy. This was a very important moment in history. So what does it mean for you and I to rebuild the walls of our lives. Because we've all met people whose defenses have crumbled away. They've become lost, drifting, wandering up and down the streets of cities, absolutely hopeless and helpless. We know relationships right now that are being attacked and abused due to a breach in the wall. Have you ever felt like that? I know I'm saved. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying my best, but the thief is always right around the corner getting ready to trip me up once again, and it seems like he's succeeding. Let me say it this way. Your heart is good, but your life is a mess. You ever been there? Right, come on with two hands, lift it up. Your heart is good, but your life is a mess. That might be an indication that an enemy has infiltrated a breach in the wall. And something needs to be repaired. We all go through that. We're all works in progress, right? We all have our story of a ruin. We all have our story of a trial, a test, a trouble, something we've been through in life. We all have been there. But the question is, do we open up our lives to God to come in and fix it? Or do we just go on our way, sweep it under the rug? Because this is what I've found to be true. Whenever repair is needed, if it's important to you, immediate action will follow. If it's important to you, if it's important to me, immediate action will follow. True? Come on. All right, so we, we, we live, one of our first homes in Ionia was like this, it was like a house over 100 years old. Beautiful character, but a lot of cracks. <laughs> Amen? That's just the way it is when we get older. Character. But, but cracks and things that you, like, you look at, you're like, man, what's going to break this week? And one day, there, they, there was this 
it was an old Michigan basin, but they put a toilet down there. Don't ask me why. One day, I come home from church, and the place is flooded down there, just flooded. And that's just, my, my thing is I have to stay away from that stuff. Like, I, I don't want to touch that. But I knew that nobody else was going to, you know. So I immediately, immediately went into action. Got everything I needed, and, and, and it was, you know, it happened to be a, a cracked pipe that was uh, obstructed by a tree root grown through the, through the pipe, the old pipe. And I wasn't going to wait around to figure out who's gonna, who needed to fix that. I did it. I did it. Don't worry, I washed my hands afterwards. I did it. It was no fun cleaning sewage for days, but it was important to me. It was important to Emily. It was important to my little tiny chitlins that were just born, that, that they didn't crawl down there and get into that stuff. I was moved with urgency. See, sometimes we don't want to hear the news. Sometimes it's easier to hide it under the rug, to not deal with it. That never works. Nehemiah was immediately stirred to do something. Paul encourages Timothy in the same way. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 says, I'm writing to you to fan into flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit gives you a mighty power, love, and self-control. Fan the flame. Say fan the flame. It means to wake up from sleep and activate the mind and understanding. That's what that means. And Nehemiah was not just stirred. He was wrecked. Man, he was wrecked in a good way. The truth is, we will never rebuild the walls of our life until we have first become greatly concerned about the ruins. We'll never rebuild them unless we become greatly concerned. Have you ever taken a good look at the walls in your own life? Have you ever stopped long enough to see what could be with God compared to what is now? When Nehemiah heard this report about Jerusalem, the place he loved, he wept and prayed for days, showing us this intense concern. See, we will never start rebuilding the walls until we first weep over the ruins. Usually those moments occur when someone we love is under attack, going through difficulty. I'll be talking about that in a few weeks, but, but man, listen, I'm pastor. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian 24-7. I'm pastor not all the time. That's, that, I, don't have to, I don't have to be pastor all the time because I'm a dad, right? I'm a Christian all the time. But I've noticed this. When someone starts messing with my little Emily or Annalyn or Levi or my church family, somebody else comes out. <laughs> what that is. Like I get really protective. I do. I just get protective. Maybe that's just what I'm supposed to be. I think, I, think, I think we're all like that, right? Papa bear, mama bear. And Nehemiah, man, got protective because his loved ones were under attack. 
In psychology, there's a phrase that says, awareness is curative. Awareness is curative. I'll say it this way. When we become aware, we become alive. And I've said this before, but but one of the greatest books I've ever read was um, Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship by Jack Frost. Not that guy in the cartoon. But this, this guy wrote a book, and somebody gave it to me, and I was like, sure, I'll read it. And it sat for like, you know, a couple years. And all of a sudden, I opened it up, and, and I, I started, I'm like, it was very engaging. And when I got to this place where it showed me the, the difference between an orphan and a son, I saw myself as an orphan. I'm a Christian, I'm in ministry, and I'm living more like an orphan than like a son. And I'm telling you something, awareness was curative. It, I wasn't condemned. I'm like, hallelujah, I finally, Lord, thank you. And I'm telling you, for like the next four days, I felt like I was in God's love bubble. I was in a place like, like oh, this is incredible. Like, like I, I was loving everything, even my cat. I mean, it was really supernatural. It was supernatural. Let me help you stir your hearts today as we finish. See, in order to become aware of what needs urgent care, we got to let the Holy Spirit make us aware of those things, Uh, whether it's in our heart, our soul, our relationship, our family, the thing you truly love but seem to be losing, let's get it back. Let's start here. I'll give you one phrase today because I found is, this is what I found out is, we will pray for what we love. We will pray for what we love. That's what Nehemiah did. He prayed immediately, immediately. Prayer might be the most important thing we can do, especially when we find ourselves in a pickle. We see Nehemiah praying fervently in chapter one. Here's chapter two. Earlier the following spring in the month of Nisan during the 20th year of King Art. I was serving the king his wine. And I never, I'd, I'd never before appeared sad in his presence, Nehemiah said. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied. Mm. I was terrified. But I replied. Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the sea where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you with a prayer to the God of heaven? I replied, if it please the king and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Prayed. You know what he did? He prayed a dangerous prayer. I mean, if you ever pray this, if you want a dangerous prayer, pray this prayer. Not my will, but your will. Whatever you want, God. I mean, pray, pray, pray that way. So, He prayed this dangerous prayer to the king of all kings right in front of the king 
the earthly king, and there was, listen, an immediate answer. If we only knew how eager and willing God is to answer our prayer, we would pray and he would answer, how can I help you? This is the response you and I will get every time we pray. How can I help you, Dan? And sometimes I just need help on the inside, right? And sometimes I need help on the outside. And sometimes I need help for other people. But his response is always, how can I help you? And Nehemiah did the thing he knew that would get the ball rolling, prayer. And by the way, not just prayer, prayer with fasting, saying, Lord, I mean business. Because we will pray for what we love. And you know what I found out? When my family is under attack, when my church family is under attack, man, I, I get into this, like, different prayer realm. It's like, it's like the righteous are as bold as a lion. It's like I wouldn't care who, if any, whoever's around me, I'm going to start praying this fervent prayer because I want God to move quickly. Amen? It's like, it's a different prayer. It's a way different prayer. Like, like I've seen Emily, the cute little Emily, little five foot four, 105 pounds. Who shouldn't say that. Um, I've seen that little gal pray prayers that just made me step back. It's like, oh, here she go. I'm, I'm getting out of the way. I mean, this, this thing is about to happen right now. That, that's how powerful you, you just hear from the spirit of God coming out of her. Nehemiah was afraid. Look at this, th th that bold prayer. When, when you were to go to a king back then, you didn't just approach him. Like th there was protocol to approach a king. And Nehemiah, man, he's like, you know, I'm not waiting for the protocol. He just said, he said, I was terrified, but I replied. Bible says, come boldly to the throne to obtain grace in time of need. Right? See, God loves it. God loves that the righteous are as bold as a lion. He says, I was afraid to approach the king, but I did it anyway. Because we will pray for what we love. And we will pray for who we love. Even if it means risking our lives. We see that throughout the Bible, believers, us, are called to pray and pray without ceasing. But here's the question that many people have. Does prayer really make a difference? Do my prayers really make a difference? And the answer is a resounding yes. 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 Come on. Although I've come to realize that God has never answered my prayers in the exact way or exact time that I expected or demanded, they were always answered in a better way at a better time. See, with God, your prayers are always better because Jesus takes your prayer, adds his power to it, but he's got to have a prayer because no prayer means no answer. James said, we have not because we ask not. 
And I get it. You know, sometimes these prayers are locked up in my brain, you know. Like I, I'm praying and I'm fretting and I'm worrying and all this stuff's up here. And, 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 and God's just saying, dude, get it out, man. Get it out. Just get that thing out right now. Go, go. Start praying, Dan. Because I want to see God move. I don't want to be a part of the group that says we have not because we ask not. Let me ask you a question. Is your spouse okay? Is your family okay? Are your children okay? Are you okay? If not, it's time to pray. The right prayer with the right heart will have powerful results, and that prayer will bring the kingdom of God to earth, to your brokenness, your soul, your relationships that need repair. See, God's not asking you to repair the world. He's asking you to repair your hearts and your home. It's God's job to love the world. It's our job to love our neighbor, whoever's next to you, whoever's right around you, your sphere of influence. Sometimes we charge out. We want to save the world. We forget our loved ones right there, right? As my pastor used to say, if it ain't working at home, don't export. Get that thing working there, right? Work that out. That's what he loves. Work that out right there. I don't know what the enemy has taken from you. I don't know your pain. I don't know what is in need of repair in your life, but God does. Let's start repairing, restoring, and rebuilding the wall. Do you have an immediate urgent need? Are you weeping over something that's in ruins? God is waiting to respond with, how can I help you? How can I help you? He created us. He made us. He's our father. How can I help you? It's okay if you don't know, if you don't know what to do. I'm still learning what to do in all areas. And it's okay. The, the Bible says if you need wisdom, ask the generous God, he'll give it to you without reproach. He'll give it to you. He's saying, how can I help you? So let's start this series with this prayer. We're gonna end right here. It's the prayer that David prayed. And I want you just to repeat it out loud. Just then this is just an honest, authentic moment. And this is that prayer. This is that dangerous prayer right now. Dangerous prayer for God to start the work for God to continue the work in us because we're unfinished. Would you just put your hand over your heart a minute and say these words, say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Unfinished, listen, unfinished, but getting more beautiful, growing. Come on, let's, let's get through this message here. It's gonna be awesome. You're gonna be blessed by it. We love you guys. We're honored that you are with us today. 
please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.